The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. back everybody to another episode of Bubba in the Bloom episode 14 gonna recap the uh, review the top 150 ADP starting pitchers preview the weekend to come talk about some recent news and so much more you can find myself on Twitter at BDantric my coast as always on Twitter at Ryan BHQ Ryan Bloomfield how we doing man fantastic fantastic and and a little nervous we are uh, at, at the homestead this weekend we are embarking on this three-day intense potty training for my toddler where uh, I guess it's pretty common or semi-common I don't know just from watching the videos but it's uh it's three days of just watching your kid like a hawk and once he starts to go to the potty you bring him over to the potty and and, and try and teach him I have no idea how it'll go you, you're supposed to yeah like watch him like a hawk and not look at your phone and um, I can just see myself like on Friday night checking scores and doing lineups. And then all of this after watching them for like an hour. And then all of a sudden I, you know, sw- swap somebody out or check a score. And then like my, my kids peeing on his, on my leg or who knows, <laughs> who knows what it'll happen. So I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm excited to, uh, I'm excited 
tonight to at least uh before the storm the calm before yeah, the storm calm before the storm you have to do a lot back of back on with you a lot of backyard activities sound like a great idea a lot of backyard so if there's accidents it's outside that sounds like a, an idea right there but uh that might be harder like to get an idea might um, be harder to get to the potty at that point too so i gotta yeah. i gotta i got one more video to watch i gotta see if that's allowed i i have no idea but we'll see <laughs> Yeah, no, there's all kinds of ways to do it, of course. And like I was telling you before the shows, we've, in my household, started discussing that process. We are not where you are, of course, but uh, dreading it as well. It's going to be a quite the experience, to say the least. But uh, wishing you well, hoping your um, your, your time uh, doing your fab bids works out where you don't uh, <laughs> literally S the bed on that. And, uh, and and good luck with all that. But well, um, we, we may do a status update next week's show. We'll see. Oh, we will. If anyone actually cares, I, I don't know. But uh, oh, I care. That's what's weighing on my mind. I love it. I love it. We got baseball back uh, as we're recording. The Giants are getting beat down by the Dodgers because that's what happens. And um, we have a full day. Well, 14 games on Friday because for some reason the Twins and the Tigers don't play on Friday. But um, we have a pretty full schedule, and we're back at it after the All-Star break where you know we got to enjoy the J-Rod show, which was great, and Juan Soto doing his thing. But um, we have a, a little bit of news to talk about. And right before the All-Star break, Mike Trout went on the IL, and he's kind of been you know day-to-day, getting scratched, doing this and that. And well, now he's on the IL with ribcage inflammation. They're hoping it's not too serious, but anytime you hear that with a power hitter, it doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy. So uh, what's your thoughts on this? Obviously, you're not dropping Mike Trout, but um, how are you approaching this situation? It's concerning. I mean, I've got Trout in my main event and and benched him kind of last weekend, and I'm definitely benching him going forward. I have not heard any updates recently, but I know he's out at least the first day back from uh, the break uh, at minimum. So he's a bench this weekend with just a max of two games, but it sounds like it could be worse. I mean, this was like a progression uh, mm-hmm. from just like back spasms or back tightness to and that's what it kind of was like before the all-star break and then right around the all-star game he he withdrew and they put him on the il with with this rib thing so i i just hope it's not something that they missed originally it's a lot worse than than they originally thought i mean what to do about it nothing uh, other than just bench trout and and maybe like joe adele gets that uh gets that that 13th audition in, in the outfield with the angels i mean it sounds like it's going to be adele taylor ward um and and brandon marsh for now so we'll see um but yeah trout you just kind of hope and hope there's a good update and it's not like the calf from last year that's that's the ultimate like kind of ptsd is you think back to that calf injury of last season just didn't see that serious lingered 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 and and there we were so i don't know good vibes only we'll see what the what the weekend brings us with trout yeah, that's hope is good. I, like I said I'm just nervous because it's the bat. It was the back, and now it's the ribs, and you're looking for a power bat, and that's just starting to zap the power zone. So I'm concerned a bit, and he's obviously not running much these days to begin with. So it's like, uh, great, what are we doing here? And the Angels once again aren't going to make the postseason. So what do we have to look forward to in that regard? But uh, he, hey, he did say he's going to play in the W, uh, the World Baseball Classic for the first time. So at least he'll get to get a postseason feel of some sort. That'll be good for. Mike Trout and for baseball to have him on that stage. That'll be a ton of fun as well. Uh, Chris Sale was making his second start of the season and got a comebacker off his finger, fractured his finger. He's out four to six weeks. Um, I think he's pretty much donezo for most fantasy 
teams unless obviously you have IL spots you can play with that game but uh this is tough because I have to ramp back up and do it all over again Ryan that's the thing like even though it's not a direct like arm injury it's still just that ramp up period so you always have to tack on the additional time to the original estimate in in order to at least hope to get meaningful innings out of a starter so yeah I think in in leagues where you don't have an IL Chris Sale unfortunately has to go and it's rough because a lot of people held Chris Sale and stashed him and waited for this return and then um and then all of a sudden that happened so that's rough it does open up and I'm probably leading into a a segment later on in the show but I I think this kind of gives Cutter Crawford some some pretty good run in the Red Sox rotation. Like at first I did not uh, think Crawford was going to stick in that rotation because sale was coming back because Rich Hill is still coming back. Walk is coming back, that sort of thing. Um, but once the sale injury happened, I actually picked up, I actually fab Crawford in my main event for like 17 bucks uh, right before the all-star break, just because love the skills. So I think Cutter Crawford mm-hmm. is somebody who benefits from this, even though, Carter Crawford has a 450 ERA. You look at the underlying skills, they're they're fantastic. He misses a ton of bats, 12% swinging strike, almost a 30% K rate, and his ERA estimators are more like in the mid to high threes as opposed to that 450 pitching uh, behind a, a pretty good lineup that's going to give him run support. So Cutter Crawford's, I think, the big winner here. I, I, I think he's going to stick. I think those skills are going to have time to kind of win out over the results that we've seen so far. So if you are hurting from sale, um, look to see if, see if Cutter is available. Yes, we will be talking about Cutter Crawford later in the show. That is for darn sure. Because I may have made your case for him already. But. Yeah, you made it a lot easier, but those underlying skills are pretty darn remarkable. We talked yeah. about him on Tuesday night with Toby. It was, uh, I, I, I couldn't, I still couldn't find it after the show. I was really mad. I saw someone tweet out during the day on Tuesday. They compared him to like one of the elite pitchers in baseball. People like the underlying metrics. He's in line with a lot of those guys. So there's a lot of promise in that arm. And at worst, I'll, I'll, I'll save it for the later segment, but. He's got a lot of strikeouts in those arms. So uh, that's what we're going for there. Uh, Daniel Lynch, not like a big name to a lot of people, but in deeper leagues, he has definitely been at least serviceable uh, this season. He's got a, a big strikeout upside. Hasn't been going deep into games for the Royals, but overall, or his last like four or five appearances have been pretty solid for them. But he goes to the IL with another blister issue. It's a, been a lingering thing. He's, he has him, goes, gets better, gets him again, gets better, so on and so forth. So I just wanted to mention he's on the IL. I don't know if there's really a direct benefactor to that. The uh, Royals have, you know, the issues there in their rotation. But uh, Lynch going to the IL does sting for you deeper league people. Yeah, it does. It, it stings for deeper leagues. And uh, there's not really like it solidifies like Chris Bubich's spot in the rotation for Kansas yeah. City, which which is not a good thing uh, for fantasy owners, for for, for the Royals themselves, um, I was kind of hump, uh, hyping Jackson Kohar a little bit a few, a few shows ago just because he looked to be turning things around in, in AAA a little bit. But uh, checking in on Jackson Kohar, like 55 innings now at AAA, 634 ERA. Uh, the strikeouts are great, but um, or actually the strikeouts are just kind of average, as is the walk rate. So average skills in AAA isn't probably going to translate over too well to the majors if you would ever get the call. So not not much to uh, not much to take away from the Royals in the second half. It's going to be a it's going to be it's going to be a slog for Kansas City in the second half. That's yep. not going to be a fun team to watch. Maybe a fun team to stream against, but yes. not a fun team to watch. 
they've been fun to stream against most of the year. I was uh, I was reading an article that if you just kind of look back at teams, I, I kind of noticed it doing like my weekly risers and followers columns and whatnot, that um, if you look at guys that had big weeks, there was usually a trend that somewhere along the line, the Royals were a part of that week. Their, their, their pitching staff and their bullpen were just getting slaughtered most of the time. So that should get even better. The bright side is we still get to see Bobby Wood Jr. Uh, finish second in the AL. So AL rookie of the year race. So that'll be fun as well. Yeah. Harold Ramirez was a big name in Fab recently. I know I have him in a lot of leagues. Um, he's been in that batting average machine. A little bit of power, not a ton. Got a broken thumb now. And unlike Chris Sale, where it's already like four to six weeks, they're going to reevaluate Harold Ramirez in two weeks. So it sounds like, I don't know, I maybe I'm just being very pessimistic. It sounds like a pretty bad break if they're not even got a timetable yet. Like the swelling's that bad type situation. So um, Harold Ramirez uh, gone right now gone and at probably the worst time because he was actually like he was getting pretty regular run for tampa lately and i was kind of getting him in um uh, held ramirez and yandy diaz mixed up because just because they were both starting to play every single day they're both kind of the same player like high batting average uh, not much power not much speed but that still has value in, in deeper leagues so yeah like harold ramirez obviously is a cut given the uncertainty bubba that you just mentioned with the uh, you never want to hear he'll be reevaluated again in a few weeks. So um, that's not great for Tampa. Like who knows what they're going to pull out. I mean, they, they, they added Roman Quinn, the, yeah. the mighty Quinn to their, Last to their the outfield past. as, yeah. Like as the, as the replacement bat, uh, at least cause they got a lot of like left-handers um, in that outfield. So like Josh Lowe is there, but uh, Quinn is kind of that, that fill in right-handed hitter it's not going to be the next John birdie. He's not going to play enough. I don't even know if he's fast anymore. Like I have not even Roman Quinn has not been on my radar. He could be 35 years old now. It's been years since I've, I've heard from him. So uh, not much to take away just because you're looking at handedness with the team Tampa that, that uh, platoon so much. And so the lefties were going to play anyway, play a little bit more now that Harold Ramirez is gone, that he was out kind of playing against both lefties and righties. But, uh, but yeah, do not, do not place your chips on the mighty Quinn. Yeah. I uh, put Roman Quinn in the back burner for me after it was a year or two ago, I drafted him everywhere and like drafted holds. Cause I'm like, Oh, he's a steals machine. He's going to get playing time for Philadelphia. Yeah. That didn't happen. And obviously he's with the Rays now. So it didn't happen anywhere in Philadelphia. So um, yeah, I'm not too uh, excited about Roman Quinn. He is. So I said 35, he is only 29 years old. That is oh, so he's hitting his prime. pretty, he's pretty his surprising. Prime. Oh so. man. Maybe Tampa Bay. Yeah. They find ways to make guys valuable. So we'll see, but I'm not counting on it. Um, Trevor story got hit in the hand by a pitch has a, a hand contusion. X-rays were negative. So they're hoping to avoid anything serious. Um, he might be back as soon as the 24th, uh, which would be the start of the, or like the end of the weekend, Monday ish, give or take. So keep an eye on that. But for now he's down and out. Hopefully it's not too serious. It's been an up and down season for story. Like the power started showing up. He's running a bit, but the average still isn't great. But uh, obviously, if you have story, you're playing him. But right now, we just don't know when he'll be back. Yeah, I think this is more just like a kind of leverage the all-star break IL kind of deal. Um, nothing to really take away since it sounds like he's going to be back. But yeah, it is like a really weird season for Trevor Story. Hit Trevor Story hit 224 through April. No homers, one steal. And then just went nuts in May. Like within, I think it was like a 10-day span where he just... He basically hit more than half of his home runs in that 10-day span and then has cooled considerably uh, since then. But 
um, still, you're not you're not doing anything about this. Once you get the news that uh, Trevor Story is back next week, hopefully, you're throwing him back in there. Uh, talking about my gigantes, uh, Evan Longoria came back. I thought earlier than expected uh, this past week, so he's he's mm-hmm. activated. Jacob Junis is coming back. Should have a two step next week to look into. Um, but the news here is Brandon Crawford back to the IL. He spent time on the IL with the knee inflammation. He's only back for a couple of games. Back on the IL with knee inflammation. Uh, Gabe Kapler is reporting that it's uh, been bothering him all season. And we know how good Crawford was last year, so people are taking chances on him this year. This is pretty bleak, and uh, I'm getting kind of nervous to even try to roster this guy where it's pretty much Thyro Estrada time for me. Yep, that's pretty much the move. I mean, Estrada has played shortstop the last three games, started tonight. Um, that Brandon Crawford season from last year, man. Like one of the all-time, we'll look back on that one and just be like, where did that come from? And it doesn't look like it's coming back, at least this year, maybe two years from now. But that's just such a such an outlier season. That was that was crazy. But, I mean, Estrada, he has been playing. He's got Estrada's got great play skills, 15% K rate, 13 steals, nine homers. Like someone who is going to play every day and give you pretty modest or probably better than modest five category production like that. Um, someone who is probably already rostered in deeper leagues, but Tyro Estrada uh, absolutely has my attention. There's not too many guys hitting uh, 260 with basically double digit homers, double digit steals. He's efficient on the base pass that 13 for 15. So I think he's going to, I think San Francisco is going to keep, Keep giving him that green light, and that matters. So um, Estrada's a you know kind of sneaking up to shallow mid-level uh, relevance, I think. And he hits lefties very well. I'm just gonna throw that one out there because he helps yeah. me take. He helped me crush Tau Daly a, a week ago, thanks to Dallas Keuchel, who's no longer with us. So, you did uh, crush Tau Daly a couple of weeks ago. That was impressive. <laughs> yes, but uh, it was impressive to win zero dollars in Tau Daly. Um, but uh, yeah, the main event daily. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I got locked in. So. Uh, Thyro Estrada is uh, is doing very, very well. So I think he's definitely much more than just deeply viable. As you mentioned, I'll give you the floor on this one because you put it on the outline, but uh, it's a great call here about the L.A. Dodgers pitching rotation that, unfortunately, is getting healthier. It's getting healthier, unfortunately, for you, of course. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with all these guys, but, uh, I mean, the main news items coming out of the break is Andrew Heaney is is basically back he's i think gonna lined up to pitch tuesday we might want to check that like on sunday when you're doing fab or making your lineups but i think tuesday against the nationals so like right off the bat that's a really good start for andrew heaney and dustin may on friday so this episode will hit on friday so later today is scheduled to go like three innings in a rehab assignment i believe at triple a and then the plan for dustin may after that is to then go four innings and five innings so like that kind of tells me they are um, this. I don't think this is going to be a case where like Dustin May is going to come back in a two or three inning bullpen role for L.A. I think when Dustin May is back, he's going to go five and and qualify for wins and that sort of thing. So like I honestly had kind of forgot about Dustin May. I just assumed he would be out for this pretty much this entire season, just when, you know, given the timing of Tommy John surgery last season but like now is the time we're really interested to see what uh dustin may goes for in, in fab this week and now that the news is out he's not rostered at all in 12 teamers um in the nfbc and i should look up uh what he is in the main i i would imagine it is very small as well so in the main event the best way to learn a language immersion living where the language is spoken and using it every day but if that's not in the cards this year you can still learn a language the second best way 
And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. He's not even rostered, so um, this is the time to get him. He's going to cost a little bit more just because the blurb came out, and you know we aren't stupid. We all read the same stuff. Um but just an interesting uh, embarrassment of riches for your rivals, Bubba. Yeah, because I'm with you on the May thing. It's like I told you, I saw it on Twitter like right before we we jumped on together, and I was shocked because I was with you. I thought he was pretty much done for the season. I did. I, I didn't think he was coming back anytime soon, especially not like potentially at the beginning of August type situation. So, uh, very surprising news there. The dude's ridiculous. So if he can get healthy and be a factor, that's big. We'll see what happens to Mitch White who pitched well. It's no strikeouts with Mitch White. That's been the really weird thing yeah. is he's not getting the strikeouts. So I'm guessing he'd be a casualty to this. And then Tyler Anderson probably gets a loss. Like they keep Gonsolin, um, Kershaw, and Urias in the rotation would be my yeah, guess. Or, yeah. or they do some phantom IL stints to rest some of these guys. They've done that in the past. So That's, that's a- what I think. I, I think some kind of phantom IL or, I mean, they could go to like a six-man rotation. Or they could use, they could use like White and May piggyback. Yeah. And go that route because the one thing with both of those guys is they have ways to get their pitch count high when they're because especially May who can be wild, like he can be effective but he can be wild. So that pitch count goes up quick. He only gets three or four innings. You throw White in there for two or whatever, and they the Dodgers are smart. It sucks, but they'll they'll figure they'll figure something out to be there in October and make it work just fine. Already ten games up on San Diego, so like yeah. they're they're already reaching that point. Maybe in another month where they kind of have nothing to play, which is all honestly like the other thing with May is like. LA has no reason to rush Dustin May back right now. And the fact that he is getting um, uh, that he is extending his outings in, in AAA is just, again, just a really good sign health wise for Dustin May, which is awesome. Like that, that dude, that dude is, is good for baseball fun as heck to watch when he went down last year. Like that was, that was a brutal, uh, brutal shot. It's, it seemed like he was coming into his own. Now, what will he look like? This season after the long layoff remains to be seen. But if it's anything like the Dustin May that we saw like right pre-injury last season, that, that could be a pretty, pretty big boon for folks that need pitching. Okay, enough Dodgers talk on the show. We can go. I'm just kidding. Uh, we, we can, uh, we'll go on to the weekend matchups here, which um, this past week we did not record because my life stinks at times. But uh, the week before... Hitting wise, Aaron Hicks just destroyed Jace Peterson eight to two. It was it was glorious. It should have been oh. more. Like it should have been more. Hicks got robbed of some stuff. So it was it was beautiful. It was glorious. The hitting I've got down. The pitching not so much. Four Ks for Herman Marquez. Your boy Brubaker, love it. Six yep. strikeouts for you. So once again, we split. <laughs> also like how Herman Marquez got me. I picked Marquez yes. on June 9th, That episode he got me six Ks. He got four for you. So. 
Um, big fan, big, big, big fan of Vermont. I may be going back to that well later on, uh, just cause he's, he's treating me well, man. He is at worst. Like we said, like both of us, when we've taken him, even if he's not pitching well, they need him to throw innings. He's going to throw any, and that game where he struck out four, I think he threw six or seven innings. He just didn't get strikeouts all of a sudden. So he's doing what we think. That's what he does. But let's get into this week's action. Like I said earlier at the beginning of the show, it's like the first weekend back, obviously. We've got a ton of games. Um, a couple teams play the White Sox and the Guardians play four games this weekend. So we kind of both went that direction with our, our hitters. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, why don't you hit highlight some of the uh, matchups you're looking to exploit this weekend? Easiest matchups that we've got according to the HQ tool is uh is is Milwaukee. So they get they get home games uh against Colorado. So Colorado's throwing out some pretty bad uh pitching, Senzatella, Kyle Freeland, and the aforementioned Herman Marquez. Uh but again, we're kind of rostering Marquez for the K's and not really the ratio. So I think your your Milwaukee bats, especially your Milwaukee lefties. Our, our great matchups this weekend. Uh, Philadelphia also has uh, uh, some really good matchups against the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs are throwing out Justin Steele, Marcus Stroman, Drew Smiley. So like nothing really special there. Um, two of those guys lefties. So that's, that's interesting to me. Um, and then the big ones. Yeah. The big ones are those four gamers. So anytime you can get anyone with four games, especially it looks like it's all right handers in that series. Nice. Um between Cleveland I, and, no, and the White Sox. Uh, unless it's wrong, Cleveland's throwing Pilkington out on Saturday oh, game too. Yeah, Your but boy. he doesn't exist, so that doesn't – he's not a real person. <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah, and, and honestly, right, does, does it doesn't matter if he's a lefty out there. Like that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. I was Pilkington like many of us uh, yep. a few weeks ago, so I'm still recovering. I'm still blocking him out. But you're right. Yep, he is the one lefty out of the eight in that series. And then – um. Yeah, it's just kind of weird that Detroit series where they are only playing two. They had the doubleheader today, um, but Detroit, Minnesota, just two games. So that kind of stuff matters. It definitely does matter. And uh, we have a lot of the aces going this weekend. So uh, pitching was not the easiest to pick from, but it was better than most weeks. I will say that much. But uh, overall, we look at the opposite side of the spectrum, um, Atlanta versus the Angels, because the Angels, especially without Trout, like, Good God, yep. pray for them. Uh, that's that's a great one to target. Um, anybody against Kansas City, so Tampa Bay is good. But um, this Philadelphia-Chicago matchup, you already mentioned Philadelphia's bats against Chicago. Their pitchers against Chicago are rated out to have the best matchup this week, it looks like. So uh, some big spots there as well. And my, my favorite series this weekend from a, from a fantasy standpoint, um, uh, it's tougher Seattle hitters. Like I've got Eugenio Suarez. In a bunch of leagues, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be mm-hmm. starting him this weekend. I mean, they they face Houston, so they get Urquidy, who's been a lot better lately. Verlander, who's just unbelievable, um, on Saturday, and then they face Framber Valdez on Sunday. Like that's a that's a rough um, that's a rough stretch for Seattle bats. That's going to be a awesome series. Like, let's see if Seattle's hot streak continues. They're still well back. I think they've I think Fangraphs gives Seattle like a two percent chance of winning the West just because Houston is so good. Uh, that's probably the series of the weekend for me. I'm a little biased cause I've been watching a bunch of Mariners lately, but, uh, that's, a, that's a, that, that'll be a fun series, but also, yeah, pretty brutal for your Seattle hitters. That's one of the tougher, uh, matchups. San Diego also has a pretty, yep, um, pretty tough one. They get Scherzer Friday, Bassett Saturday and Carrasco who's kind of like hit or miss, um, been prone to some blowups, but overall pitching. Well, that's, that's a tough, 
that's a tough trio and also a also a pretty cool series. That's just a tough series all around because on the flip side, you never know what you're going to get. But Darvish, <laughs> Snell, and Musgrove like that. Yep. That's got lines up to we could get some pitching duels at the same time. We've seen all those pitchers have their rough moments. So that could be a fun one uh, for sure. And then the other one I'd mention just for a f- like fun standpoint, you have uh, Miami hosting Pit- or against Pittsburgh. You got Braxton Garrett trying to rebound off his first big start against Pittsburgh. Max Meyer making his second start. And then you, also, you finish it up with Sergio or Sandy Alcantara. So that's always a, a ton of fun as well. So some good pitching matchups as you'd expect, but um, it's it's an interesting week. That's what I'll say is interesting. Is like the Giants, they face all lefties, Anderson, Urias, Kershaw. But are you really loading up against the likes of Urias and Kershaw? Yeah. Probably not. Okay. So that makes it tricky as well. Um, I think Tampa Bay could be a fun one with Keller, Singer, and Granke. That could be another one too. Uh, I already mentioned them as the ratings are well for them. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Let's get to the game. Like I said, we are tied up. I'm 3-1 to one in offense. You're 3-1 to one in pitching. Um, I'll give you the floor for bats because I – Almost took your guy, but I have my reasons why I didn't. So why did you take your hitter? All right. So I went with Stephen Kwan. Uh, most again, just uh, just a refresher. Runs, yeah, runs, hits, RBI is what we're what we're trying to accumulate here. So this is just mostly an at bat plate appearance fueled move. And so Cleveland gets those four games against the White Sox. Um, you know the 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 pitching matchups are just okay. Kwan they they face uh, Giolito on Friday doubleheader on Saturday with Cueto and Lance Lynn. So that's pretty juicy. Like Lance Lynn has been pretty, pretty rough this year. And then Dylan Cease probably be a zero on Sunday. So maybe it's just a three game series for Cleveland and Stephen Kwan, but you never know. Cease has had at least a few times where he's been mere mortal. And I think, I think Stephen Kwan will play both of those games at the doubleheader. Like that's the thing with a lot of these doubleheaders, four game weekend series. A lot of those guys get like a day of rest on Saturday, but Kwan is, he's pretty much locked in at leadoff in Cleveland. So like if I had to pick one hitter who would get the most played appearances of anybody this weekend, Stephen Kwan's my pick and he's yeah. just under 50% rostered. I think he's like 48%. And uh, 12 teamers in the OC. So um, I'm just going to bank on or at least hope for a, a bunch of hits, and maybe some runs. The thing with Stephen Kwan, man, like the dude hit 290, is hitting 292 over the last month. So that's like 33 hits and 113 at bats. Dude has seven RBI in that span. Like that is yep. absurd. So yep. um, I'm, I'm pigeonholing myself a little bit, but, um, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe he will drive in a run. That, that is why I passed on Stephen Kwan. Um, he can get. He's yeah. basically to, for me. He's going to have to hit you into this. Yep. But you never know if he gets on, he can still score runs. That, that's definitely a part of it. So we'll see how that goes. Because Gilito's been a mess. Lynn's been garbage. Quato's been surprising. But you're waiting for that shoe to drop. So on paper, and Cleveland doesn't strike out. So it should be really interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, Kwan was one of the options. I went with Josh Harrison. Same series, of course. The only two four game series. Um, you've got Quantrill, who's a pitch to contact arm. You got Pilkington. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's always a, a good one to target. But then you got the likes of um, Tristan McKenzie, who's been good. I'll give him that much. And Bieber can be tough. So, two of the matchups I don't love. I love Quantrill. I love Pilkington. Uh, Harrison's been heating up of late. It's not as ideally, it's the bottom of the order, unlike Stephen Kwan. But I still think I, the White Sox are going to put up some runs in that series. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And Harrison can score runs and drive in runs, unlike Quan. So he could probably get half the hits and still put up the points for our game situation. That's the angle I went with. And I'm going to hope he kind of carries over what he was doing towards the end of the first half into the second half in this series against Cleveland. 
we'll see that Bieber matchup similar to the Cease matchup Sunday. This might be a dud for both of us. That just might be a we, we wash our hands and walk away. Um, but uh, the the first the, the double header is going to be the, the end all be all basically. That's like the Pilkington matchups where I need a three for four with like three RBIs and two runs scored. That's what we need from Josh Harrison. So we'll see. Should be fun. There really wasn't that many great hitting options this week, which was weird. At least to me, it didn't seem like there's a ton of great yeah. hitting options. Yeah, it's funny how like some weeks it seems like there are. Maybe that's just our bias. I don't. I don't know. Um, could be matchup based, that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I didn't see too many, too many great matchups. The Harrison call. I, it's kind of so. I'm glad you kind of highlight them, just because like I, I make this point all the time. But it's just like those guys that get off to terrible starts, you just lose track of them. And Josh Harrison hasn't like lit the world on fire lately, but he did hit 322 in 60 at bats in June after hitting under 200 the first two months of the season. So like that is someone who's kind of quietly after the world, you know, correctly gave up on him through Memorial day has at least been hitting with a pulse um, this weekend. So a, a decent pick. I don't know if old man's going to play, play that double header on Saturday, but uh, he can uh, sit the, he can sit, the, he can sit the McKenzie as long as he makes that Pilkington he, he, one. If he sits Pilkington, oh, I'm good. I'm going to break my phone. If he, like, you don't have to worry. Like, you don't have to worry about checking scores, and you can watch potty training because you got that one in the bag. Is what that, little that'll be. I need the Pilkington start. So, um, well, I'll be drinking high noons at a one-year-old birthday party, so I might not even know. So we'll be okay. That's maybe a, maybe a, a good blow up for one of my pitchers like Friday night is probably the best thing for this potty training situation. Yeah, Throw exactly. My just, phone, like, give, just give up on fantasy and actually, well, we actually have, parent. I hope you saw the email. We have Tout Daily this Friday because of no game on Tuesday. So you have that to have fun with as well. Oh, damn it. <laughs> That's right. It's tomorrow, isn't it? And and when we play when we play DFS, we don't always check scores and stuff. Nope. Never. Never oh, the case. Never. Oh my God. This ain't good, man. I'm trying to fill out like a late scratch or a postponement. Hey with dad, some rain taking... and then it's and then it's raining on my leg while I'm doing Hey dad, why are we taking a three hour bath, kid? You gotta be we're, we're checking scores. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Not good. Um, Not good. All right. My hitter for this week, or my pitcher for this week, we hinted at him earlier as Cutter Crawford. This kid is awesome. Like, really, really good. You mentioned the ERA hasn't been ideal, but if you just take since he joined the rotation, uh, he's made four starts in his last five appearances since June 12th with the um, Red Sox. Five or more innings in four of the five appearances. Uh, he has three runs or less in five or uh, four of the five appearances. He has six Ks or more in four of the five, a 284 ERA, 327 FIP, which is what I like to see a 22.8% K to walk since that has developed an 11.4% swinging strike. Contact rates aren't too bad. Um, and it just gets deeper and deeper. You mentioned a ton of the good peripherals. He has given up three home runs, but two came in one game as worse outing in the whole deal. Um, he's been just really, really good. 30 Ks and 25 and a third innings pitched. Um, stuff's great. Pitch mix is great. I know Toronto is Toronto, but they still strike out a ton. They're not the world beaters they once were. Could they show up and crush at any time? Yes, they, they are that good. Don't get me wrong. Like maybe the All Star breaks, what they needed to clear their head, they might have all been like on a, a yacht in the Dominican or something for a couple of days just to get their head right. I don't know, but um, I'll take my chances because at worst he gives me five innings, gives up a couple runs, strikes out five plus, and I'll 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 roll with that. So I took Cutter Crawford, and like you said. I'd be looking to add him in 12-team and deeper leagues, like even 12s. I, I'm in on what he can offer with sale going out. I think there's a, some nice job security coming your way for at least a while. So I, I like him quite a bit. I'm, I'm just listening and learning because I've, I've got, yeah, I've got the decision to make in my main. Like I said, I, I fab Crawford last week, and it's between him and like Justin Steele. 
uh, this weekend. So I'll be against mulling Phil- over Philadelphia that and Philadelphia on the road. Steel's so. been, been good too, though. That's a tricky good. one. It's been good. It's a tricky yeah. one. So I'm sure I'll make the wrong move. Um, so maybe I'll keep, maybe I'll start Crawford. So he gets bombed and I win and win in our little <laughs> tournament. We'll see. There you go. So no, it's, a, it's a great. I mean, I laid out the Crawford reasons earlier. Yeah. That the Toronto matchup, like like you said, Bubba, like they haven't been great, but you know that's just like a ticking time bomb uh, with the talent that they have. So yeah. So what what I what I might do is I might stack them in DFS and then play Cutter Crawford in this. That might be yes. my approach. <laughs> Spread your risk. Yep. I went with. Um, Dean Kramer, who I was actually going to go with last week, and it just kind of lines up well again. So Dean Kramer has been kind of the the darling of Fab lately. He has four scoreless outings, four scoreless starts in his last six. So like pitching, pitching well, pitching a little bit over his head. Uh, of course, two fifty nine ERA is not going to last at HQ. We've got a four sixty two expected ERA. Like that's a massive gap, two run gap. You don't see that very often however um this is strikeout so we're just trying to rack up k's here and and i again like to pound that swinging strike rate and for dean kramer it's been good and it's been rising lately so a 12 and a half percent swinging strike rate over his last six starts which is fantastic he's got double digit whiffs in four of his last or sorry five of his last six starts with a little bump in uh in velocity in some of those so um the matchup's just okay for Kramer. Um, he's pitching, I think, on Sunday. He's going against the Yankees, but it's it's at home. And I wish, I kind of wish, like Jordan Montgomery was pitching Sunday because then this would be a lock. <laughs> well, we're not but, getting wins, uh, <laughs> but uh, but but it's Nestor Cortez. So not the best matchup, but Yankees do have a lot of swing and miss in that lineup. And, and given the swing and miss that Kramer's shown over his last six starts, I think it's. Uh, I think it's looking good for for maybe five or six Ks from this weekend. I'm going to throw one other name out there. It obviously doesn't account for the competition, but if he's available for you people out there, if he's only rostering like 24% of 12 teamers in the NFBC right now, that's Braxton Garrett. Talked about him a lot the other night. I, Is that I it? A, wow. I'm pre- he's less than 50. I know that much. I thought it was like 24 when I looked into it. Uh, he faced Pittsburgh his last time out, struck out like 10 or 11 of them. Um don't count on that probably the next time out, but the dude's got some good stuff. He showed some promise in the minors, good prospect pedigree, um, great matchup against Pittsburgh. And he's another guy similar to my thoughts on Crawford is he looks like he's going to stick for a bit. Elias or Hernandez back to the IL. Edward Cabrera is coming back, but um, that might mean Max Mayer goes. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces, but it seems like Garrett's going to get some run there for a while. So uh, he's another guy. If you're looking to stream this weekend, I would throw him out there as well. He should be available in plenty of leagues, at least at least 12 team and deeper. I, w- I wouldn't say he's a must like a 10, but uh, you could probably get some innings out of him this weekend. Yep. All right. We have a few extra minutes before we have to dig into the bloom board. So I'm going to give you the floor. You wanted to talk about the uh, your speculator article that, that you came out with on Thursday. Um, or it dropped yesterday, it dropped today, didn't it? Thir- uh, yeah, Thursday, yeah, Thursday. Um, and I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but uh, I'm very curious about this. And you wanted to discuss some of it, so the floor is yours, my friend. Well, it kind of just spawned from I was interacting with John Legaza, our buddy at MLB Moving Averages on Twitter, and he was looking at 
uh, pitchers since mid-May. Um, I believe there was some event in mid-May that, that cutoff wasn't completely arbitrary that faded their fastball and to look at that kind of before and after skills and um, just brought up some interesting names. So I ran some numbers for him and, and threw it out there right before the break on guys who were fading their four-seamer lately. Um, and so I kind of took that even further with my speculator article this week. And I just looked at from June 1st on, so just kind of took the half of the first half, which starting pitchers changed their arsenal the most. And so I've got this thing, I just call it change score. I don't know for, I'm not good at marketing metric names and that sort of thing, but like basically it's quantifying how often some or how much a pitcher changes their pitch mix. So if they fade a fastball, start throwing it 10% uh, less of the time, and then they throw a slider 10% more of the time to make up for it, that total difference is 10 plus 10 is 20. And so I kind of took that across everyone's arsenal and ran that for my article for HQ this this week. And I'll probably we'll probably revisit it a little bit, uh, maybe in like another month. We'll 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 make it the kind of one of the the topics of our pods, just because like pitchers can reinvent themselves so quickly. We've talked about this uh, in, in the past, but just looking at like velocity changes, but looking at arsenal changes too. like if you've got a pitcher who has changed their arsenal and shown a increase or decrease in recent skills kind of related to that approach change um, that has a little bit more stickiness and lasting impact. So um, the guy who actually changed his arsenal the most of any pitcher, and this makes sense uh, from pre-June to post-June is Robbie Ray. And he actually picked up, he, it's funny. I, so, so in writing this article, like Robbie Ray uh, used to throw a sinker like six years ago and then totally ditched it. And it's kind of a good story. Like in the middle of a game, uh, stop service went out to the, to the mound and started talking to Ray. He's like, what, you know, it's not working. Whatever you're doing is not working. Let's try something new. Robbie Ray started throwing the sinker and he's throwing it like, I think 16% of the time, almost 20% of the time since he picked it back up. It's been a great pitch, more ground balls, more whiffs compared to the four seamer. And we're seeing that in the results. Like Robbie Ray has a 220 ERA since June with the skills to kind of, to pretty much back that up. There's been some uh, luck involved as well, but um, the walks are down, the ground balls are back and the swinging strikes and the Ks are there. So um, that was somebody who just completely popped at the top of the article. He was the head cover, or the, the 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 main photo of the article. So I'm not not giving away too much. I, I did. I, I wrote up like seven different guys for the HQ subscribers and um, identified, I think, like 25 to 30 of those pitchers in this table is kind of a, a bloom board in itself in the article yeah. that uh, switch up their pitch mix the most. So just an interesting kind of exercise to, to quantify that. Yeah, I won't obviously give away because people should go read it. But uh, it is very interesting to see, especially the names you highlighted. These are guys that have been heavily talked about because they've improved as the season's gone on. And this could obviously be a, a reason why. Like you said, we've talked about pitch mix changes a lot. We talked about it and people ask about analysis going into a season for a draft. Like, why do we all of a sudden get high on a guy? Well, we look at velocity, we look at pitch mix changes. And that can happen in season, as you mentioned. And it's always something we're trying to figure out. So it's, it's interesting to see this because – uh, a lot of these names, it makes sense all of a sudden because they've been clicking. They've been like popular fab ads or just been running wild and, and making things happen for the good. And there's also the reds. There's the bads, um, uh, red squares, not the reds team. Um, so it, well, it makes it, well, well, both maybe, actually. Yeah. <laughs> both actually, sorry. But like I can give this one away. Dallas Keuchel is all red, folks. So go yeah. go get that. Forty percent ball rate. Like he's off. He's out of baseball. So I'm going to give this one away. You, but, you can uh, switch. You can switch things up and still be still be, be bad. Still be bad. 
Well, it's, that's why it's interesting because there's like certain names on here that have started out the year great. And then when we've seen them kind of backpedal and I'm seeing them on this list and they have more red and they've changed their pitch mix. You're sitting there going, hmm, do they just not have a feel anymore or what's the reasoning for that? So it's, it's, it's right. very interesting to see some of these different names pop up. So, yeah, it's definitely an article I'd recommend. I always read the speculator, but I'd recommend uh, checking this one out because it's one reason like we love the bloom boards. We just love talking about stuff like this is if you can find that little thing to dive in deeper and maybe go get a guy early or go drop a guy early or stuff like that to make a move. And these little things in there, they're never a hundred percent perfect, but uh, they can definitely help help and uh, lead you hopefully in the right direction. Or there's guys on this list where we've streamed them from time to time. because we've been optimistic and they get blown up then they can pitch good again. And you can see why, like they have these, these goods and bads. Maybe they keep their, they're tinkering a lot potentially. So it's uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. So I like that quite a bit. And they're just evolving. I mean, and, and I'll, I mean, I'll throw this name out there just because I, I did put it out on Twitter kind of while, while I was writing this article is Luis Castillo. Yep. Um, I don't know what to make of this dude. Like Luis Castillo had the best, one of the best changeups in baseball pretty much throughout his career. Changeup has been like pretty bad <laughs> this season. It's, it's, it, yeah. I mean, it, it used to be nasty and it's, it's been pretty bad. And so Castillo, has pretty much overhauled his pitch mix. Um, I know he missed all of April, so this is like super small samples, but uh, from May to June, going four seam very heavy and throwing it with velocity and actually has, I had no idea, uh, but Luis Castillo has the highest swing strike rate of any pitcher in baseball on his four seam fastball. Like that did not used to be the Luis Castillo that I know. Um, So it's just interesting. I mean, that's why pitching is like just so fascinating and just almost such an art form is that like you were saying, but maybe people, maybe they switch things up just because they lost feel like maybe, maybe Castillo doesn't have the feel for the change that he used to. It's a different ball or whatever. And he's adjusting by going four seam heavy and it's, it's obviously working. So just stuff like that. Like it's, um, yeah, it's just super interesting. And I don't know the 100% reason, but I'm guessing, and John's very smart at this stuff, MLB moving average. Um, he, I think this has something to do with when the balls potentially changed back and we started seeing them fly more. So the the slipperiness got worse. I think that was close to the date he's talking about. Could be wrong. So that's why your date makes sense. Like all of a sudden he's ditching this pitch because he can't grip it properly. And he's got to throw it. Like it's little things. It makes it really weird. These guys are trying to pitch now without a million sticky things. So uh, it, uh, you're going to see a lot fewer off speed pitches potentially. Uh, so yeah, it'd be fun to keep watching this go. It'd be a fun bloom board, like you said, to kind of maybe another month from now or something, see where things continue to kind of unravel. Cause I might have a whole different list. It could be really, that's, really interesting. That's the fun part. I mean, that's what I was just saying. In a month from now, it's gonna it's gonna be a totally different list. If I take like through from the beginning of the season to today, and then I, you know, maybe that's what I'll do. Like in a month from now, we'll revisit this and I'll just yeah, post all star break type thing. Switch their yep, exactly. Switch their mix since the all-star break and let's see who bubbles up. Should be pretty cool, but let's talk about some guys. We're gonna talk. Last episode, we did the top 180p hitters. It was a lot of fun because you saw guys that helped you in certain categories. Some guys that paid off their ADP. Some guys that like really got you good. If you you know went pitching at this point in the draft, you could have got hitters at this point. You know certain positions, so on and so forth. It was really cool to see how it goes because we all have our strategies of draft, and um, it's proof that there's no one way to draft, but there is definitely pockets that to be successful in. Same goes for pitching. So top 150 ADPs. Uh, he's, Ryan will tweet this out if he hasn't already. I'm pretty sure he already did. Um, ERA whip strikeouts is discussed here, The some of the main roto categories for starting pitchers and with their ADPs in the uh, NFBC. 
And we're going to see pretty much um, it's starting pitchers and then also closers chart as well. So we'll see who was uh, successful, who busted for us. It's it's quite a wild ride. And the one thing I'll say before we get going is uh, when I had Joe Arico on last week to do NFL or NL first half surprises, um, we look at the player rater on Rasball for relief pitchers. I'm just going to tell people, go look at that list and then think about how the draft went. And you're going to be like, hmm. my goodness it is crazy to think about like clay holmes is number one and i think number three was like jorge lopez or something like that so it it just tells you everything i think i think out of like the first 180p there's like three of those relievers that got drafted that are in the top 10 so it's it's a pretty telling situation but uh, I'll, i'll give you the floor here so you can explain it better than i did but i think this is another great chart to kind of take a look back and see what could have went right could have went wrong yeah no absolutely and it's funny like even since last week when we were doing this um things have changed and i'm looking at you josh Hader, who had the worst week oh, yeah. imaginable i think when i first ran these numbers Hader had a sub well i know he had a sub two era and i kind of in our notes was like is he a first round pick next year is he a second round pick i mean Hader was going in like the second round of, of late main events and was returning that value until uh, until nine earned runs in 0.1 innings last week. So anyway, um, yeah, just took this, yeah, uh, took kind of this macro level, top 150, I split it out by starting pitcher, and I'll tweet this out Friday morning uh, when the episode um, hits feeds, but basically just color-coded your three main uh, pitching categories just so you can kind of like what you were saying, Bubba, look at, look at the pockets, look at the overall trends. We're not going to kind of dive into every single pitcher in the top 150, but just took the just took for starters, ERA whip and strikeouts for closers, took ERA whip and saves and just color coded it for the whole 150. So you can kind of quickly see like where uh, the green is, where the good is, and then where the red is and kind of look back at some of our preseason assumptions. Uh, one of my big ones, this preseason, this draft season was to, snap up those early bats and on the early bats episode i mean that that played out pretty well like the hit rate on on early hitters has been pretty good this season um the flip side of that coin was i waited on starting pitchers and took a lot of guys in this pocket that have not done too well in kind of the adp range of 70 to 80 and that has kind of sunk a few of my teams so it's always like it's always um you know the hitters that you take uh, you know, it, it, the pitchers that you take, it's the players. It's not really the strategy, but it is fun to kind of look back and see uh, see what if I did not draft Trevor Rogers and Shane McClanahan. Yeah, yeah Rodon, McClanahan, Manoa, any of them. <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what that's yep. what makes this that's what makes this chart just like really cool to see, but also depressing at the same time. Going, man, like the simple pivot because the elite guys, Cole Burns, Otani, the top three, they've been all great, phenomenal. But then you have a pocket of guys that kind of struggled. And uh, mm-hmm. it's almost like if you went hitters in the first two rounds from 30 to 70, 60 even, I'd say what just taught me like 80% of them worked out pretty good. Like you you, you have reasonable guys there. So the old it's the every single year discussion. Do we go pitching early? Do we go pocket aces? And this is nothing as Toby because it's he's genius at how he does it. Phil does it. Like these guys do it very well. I've learned to appreciate why they do it. It's also very tough for me to do just for the way my mind thinks in building rosters, but I'll do it from time. Just depending on, it always depends on where I'm drafting, basically, and where the draft flows to me. But um, this appears on paper, like you said, when we did the hitters, 
early hitting worked out well. If you took a couple hitters early, they went maybe pitcher pitcher or at least one ace in that uh, third or fourth round. You're sitting pretty. So it's it's been a pretty interesting role outside of Freddie Peralta, who I had in almost every league. So that was beautiful. Like the one guy that tanked you in this range was Freddie Peralta. Yeah, that and, and that's that's a that's a that's a really good point. Like the third to fourth round, maybe you're like ADP thirty to fifty guys. Like, yeah, pretty much all those guys hit except for Freddie Peralta, and that a lot of that obviously injury. Robbie Ray, who we obviously just talked about, has a little bit of red in there, but that is trending green quickly. But yeah, like that tier, like Shane Bieber, who I was completely out on, not touching him. He's been great. Nola, Zach Wheeler is one of the best pitchers in baseball. We don't need to talk about Alcantara, uh, Dylan Seas, Verlander. Like that third to fourth round, maybe fifth round starting pitching group has turned out to be uh, fantastic. And and from a from a from a hit rate, like kind of a hit versus bust rate, has been even better than those first couple of rounds where you do have a couple landmines in Walker Bueller, Giolito, and and Brandon Woodruff, who I would posit Woodruff is going to yeah. be just fine in the second half. Yeah. But what's done is done. Um, the other interesting thing here is you do have those two Kings at the, at the top of the starting pitcher pool, like Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns. It's crazy. You, you took one of those guys in the first round. You are absolutely sitting pretty. They have delivered on uh, everything. And that, and that's just, and like you were saying about, but like draft spot, if you had, if you drew the eighth pick instead of the 12th, maybe you take Corbin Burns instead of Brandon Woodruff. Like that has just yep. such a, such an impact on your team over the season. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just it's going to be that way every single year. We can always look back yep. and, and do it. Yep. But it, it's even like if you got Kohler Burns early, then you went like even hitter hitter, like got some speed and some power because you know speed dries up quickly. Then if you came back with like Dylan Cease, like my goodness, you have like all this. And it it would have worked if you look at ADP. It works. Like you'd have all the strikeouts, great ratios, and two just elite aces to start out your team. Um, it's always you know hindsight we're looking back on it, but that's just funny to see how it. Uh, it all penciled out there. They had some duds, like you mentioned, with uh, Rogers. I was, I was a believer in Barrios, at least ratio wise, not strikeouts. That's been just a, a disaster. Yeah. I don't think he's on any of my teams anymore. Um, and then you got another pocket of, of decent ones after Rogers that you mentioned. If you just, if we just didn't go Rogers, like Rodon, who I was asked out on, uh, Darvish, the ERA is not great, but he's been pitching pretty darn good. Manoa, Montas, as he's getting healthy again, McClanahan's just been filthy. Like you legit could have gone Burns, Cease, McClanahan in leagues. And had four good bats too. Like, whew, that's insane to think about. It is, um, and 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 it gets interesting. So, like after that group, it gets where ready. it gets <laughs> it gets real weird. Uh, yeah. Once you get once you got to like pick a hundred, which again I'm trying to do. I, I for for as much as I do fantasy baseball, I cannot divide by fifteen. Uh, seventh well, round is around your ADP one hundred. Uh, it gets real bad, and I hate to say, like Nate Evaldi's got some red on there. A lot of that, I mean, the ratios have been it's fine been recently. Yeah, it's it's more just the lack of K's and the injury, um, which part of the deal. But like your your group after that ADP 100, Evaldi, Blake Snell, Sean Manaya, Luis Garcia for Houston's been good. Chris Bass has been pretty good, but like E Rod, we don't even know where M- he's at. MIA Rod, I, I, yeah. I have. And I I don't want to kind of make light of like I hope everything's okay with the guy. It's kind of getting it's getting scary at this point because he's just he's he's not even responding to the team. So it's like whoa, what's going on, buddy? This is not good. Yeah. Um. But I mean, still, no no matter the reason, like a complete 
complete dud. Kershaw's been great. Um, but like that that group, if you waited even like the seventh, eighth round, you kind of got burned a little bit, uh, unless you took like a Chris Bassett or or jumped with Kershaw. Um, it, it kind of did. It's kind of funny. Like it did after that really good Trevor Rogerless group and like through the first six rounds. Starting pitching, at least so far, again, really has kind of tumbled in those there's middle rounds. There has not been a lot of hits from like pick 100 to 150. Um, Kershaw yeah. being the exception, Pablo Lopez and, and Framber as well. Yeah, and, it's, and, and when it comes to like Framber and Pablo, it's because of their ratios. They're not massive strikeout guys. Uh, I think Pablo, most people were out on because of the shoulder injury to begin with. So that was a, a scary one. So, yeah, it's obviously gonna be different from year to year and we don't have the the charts for like the last five seasons in front of us or something but like if you're planning your draft out you like look back and go okay so i need to get like three pitchers in the top 100 so instead of like people go i want pocket aces or i want two in the first four rounds or it's like i just want three in the top 100 like first seven rounds like that's what i want to focus on that can make things interesting but then you factor in closers where that gets fun as well and um my goodness, like I'm a, I've been a believer and I pounded the desk. I want at least one elite guy, potentially two, depending on your format, because there's an overall competition. You need those saves. And I hate spending money in fab on saves. It's like the worst thing to do unless you're patient and you wait till later in the season and get them for cheap. That'll happen because they're always available late. So you, you, you have to have two philosophies, I think, to do it. And um, this chart is showing you just how volatile it can be. And I already mentioned the Clay Holmes argument. Uh, you know, uh, Lopez, there's a bunch of guys who weren't even drafted pretty much that are running away with saves. So uh, what do you have on this one? Because it's been uh, – and, and like you said, a week ago, Josh Hader was just fine. So it, it shows you how volatile relievers' ratios can be as well. Volatile. The uh, And there's always going to be – yeah, to like your Clay Holmes and, and Lopez, uh, there's always going to be closers like that that come out. Like Daniel Bard is another one. Like I had no idea. He has 20 saves. That's crazy. Um, it's unbelievable. Can, can win a bar bet with that. Absolutely. Would have would have drinks would have been on me with that one. Um the 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 big kind of narrative or the big not narrative, but the big kind of headline with closers was I mean, this was in 2022, this was the most expensive closers have ever been, just because of that kind of confluence of factors of 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 splintering bullpens where there's just not that many full-time closers anymore. Um, and not that many full-time closers that had the skills. So there were, I think, nine closers that went in the top 70 picks. And and to be honest, Bubba, I would argue eight of those nine have worked out or at least have not flopped. I was, just about, to say, Chapman. I, I was just about to say, like from Romano up, 62nd up, yeah. you're getting at least the saves. Yeah, and that's exactly. The, that's what you're going for in the long run. Like, sure, you want the ratios, but at worst, they're getting saves. Hopefully, your starters help with the ratios. Yep. Your your group before Romano is Romano, Kenley Jansen, Presley, Edwin Diaz, Class A, Rossella Iglesias, Liam Hendricks, Josh Hader. Like, you can nitpick Iglesias. Like, he's probably been the worst one of that group, 450 ERA. But a 103 whip and 15 saves, like, that's – it's it's not – you're not returning your value there, but it's not sinking your team. Um, it's not great for a third round pick, but like pretty much everyone else, I would even argue hater like this, this last week was rough, but still 27 saves. Like that's, that's huge. Um, the, the, the top, the cream of the crop for closers more or less this year, at least have, um, have held their own. It's that middle group, man, that soft mm-hmm. middle group where like once and I, this, I fell into this trap in my main. I know we always talk about, we were just talking about like Trevor Rogers and the picks you don't make, uh, Brian Rudd of hq if you are listening 
he sniped me, took Taylor Rogers one pick before I took uh, Andrew Kittredge in my main event. And uh, that has not worked out. I know Rogers has been shaky awesome. lately, but still 26 yeah. saves. You've already banked. But that that middle, um, and this was where really the, the market was pretty much spot on. Like that middle kind of round closers, they have pretty much all been terrible. So starting with Chapman, Gallegos does not have the job. Corey Knable's been a disaster. Scott Barlow's been been good. Um, but then like Kimbrell hasn't been that great. Melanson, Kittredge, Gregory Soto's been okay. Um, that's that's a tough mid group. So uh, again, hindsight, but like you're always gonna if if you can if you can work fab and get some of those closers later, you're you're gonna fall into some of those Lopez's Holmes and Bard. But um, in general, at least halfway through the season, um, it looks like paying up for at least most of these closers has paid off so far. Yeah, and that's why I, it, I guess it's giving me some uh, justification. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, it's a good bias for my approach. Of uh, I want at least one of the top ones, if not two, depending on my format. I have a lot of Rodgers and Soto, so I got lucky in that regard because it's very murky down there. But like my yeah. my philosophy is always at least one ace, if not two. Uh, closer ace and then uh, you can punt late with options if you want like from those bad teams that have committees but i don't want to be rolling in with like two of a guy who goes to canable a barlow even like the odds of them hitting and obviously it's hindsight now but we could i had the same conversation before the season started you're playing with fire in that range now the reason why i mention all that is i just went back and said you want three starting pitchers in the top 100 you want bats uh, so se- seven rounds, you want three starting pitchers. You want to get some steals and uh, power, and you somehow want two stolen bases. So I don't know how that equates to seven picks, but um, that's where making draft picks is so much that's, fun, Ryan. And that's, that's how we this get into our problem. Is, is so damn hard. Um, yeah, you need about 12 different things for 10 picks, and yeah. it just doesn't work. And so yeah. I know we're kind of delving off a little bit into like draft talk and stuff like that, but um, – it's just, uh, yeah, it's interesting. That That's why this puzzle is so fun to try and figure out. It's just like I always kind of draft against my weakness. And what I always say to myself, what, what am I okay with being light in? Because you're going to be light in something. Um, it's just what are you good at fabbing throughout the year? What are you good at? identifying um players why, with and that's some guys think they so. can fab saves that's why they do it i yep. don't think i can so yeah. or can want I, to yeah, yeah. Or have time it's, to or... the want is the big thing so you have to either be way early on guys for cheap or you have to be willing to spend a ton of money and pray they keep their job and it's just it's a double-edged sword half the time so yeah. uh, i'm 100 with you on that and this will be another fun when we can like make a note on this uh, after the season's over, these would be great bloom boards to revisit for, the, for when yep. we do have for when we do have draft strategy to talk about. Like, hey, these are the pockets. Obviously, ADPs will change. Obviously, but uh, things to kind of think, uh, kind of analyze a little more. At least, especially on like the hitter one, I thought was great because we could see the pockets for batting average, pockets for stolen base. Like you saw where they yep. went, and that's I think if we are thinking of okay, we want three starters, we want or at least one reliever, so we have three picks for bats potentially. How do we maximize our stats? And again, it'll change for next year, but that's something to think about when we get to that point uh, later in the season. So yeah, pretty cool. All right, let's hit up some listener questions. And I have some saved up from last week because, yeah, we didn't record. But um, let me scroll up to find those. All right, our buddy Eric Solowski, two-time FSWA Rider of the Year winner. Um, yeah, he's good. Uh, he would love to hear us talk about Sonny Gray. Not going deep into games, strikeouts aren't there, ratios are fine, but seems to always have one blow-up inning. 
Um, so we'll start with that one. He has a two-parter. Yeah, Sonny Gray's been bad. I've been so close to dropping him in 12-team leagues. Like, it's it almost happened last week. It's I don't even think I'm starting him this week. I should have just dropped him. But uh, it's getting tilting, tilting with Sonny Gray. What, what are you saying with him? Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of bad trends. Um, really, and mostly in the strikeout rate has completely evaporated. Sonny Gray had like a 25, 26% strikeout rate through May. In June, 16%. In July, 12%. Uh, that, that's that's not good. It's, it's supported, I say supported in air quotes, um, by like an 8% swing strike rate each the last two months. So Sonny Gray is not getting whiffs. Um, he's not striking anyone out. He's not getting ground balls either. The ground ball rate is is at 43%. The last few years, it's been upper 40s or even 50%. So like really, Eric, nothing is going well at all for Sonny Gray. And then you, and and so some of that, like you may say is, you know, just kind of ebbs and flows of the season. Maybe he's um, just, you know, whatever, bad spell that, that, that happens. I just worry with like the age, with the injury history. Um, Sonny Gray isn't, isn't the most reliable pitcher anyway. And when you see some of these indicators or pretty much all of these indicators start flattening out in the middle of the season, I definitely get concerned. Yeah, you nailed pretty much the important part for me. The most important part is I wrote about him when he when the Twins acquired him. And I, I wrote about his ground ball rates and all these things that could benefit him going to Minnesota and the, the defense behind him, and now he's not doing it. So that benefit goes out the window. He's a very hittable pitcher. That's never been a thing that said he great. He usually has a good swing strike on certain pitches, but when those pitches don't work, he's very, very hittable, like most pitchers. And that is taking place this year, as you mentioned. So you, you nailed it. If he's not getting ground balls and his off-speed pitch is not getting the swing and misses, he is dead to rights pretty much. And we are seeing that lots of balls in play, and that just eventually will add up to you in the end. Um, his other question was a discussion on Zach Gallen could be useful given his poor performance and bad baseball of late. I just pulled up his last four games just to kind of get a sample of late. It's been brutal. 15 runs in 22 innings, only 18 Ks at K to walk less than 10%, swinging strike percentage around 8%. He's not fooling anybody right now. It's been brutal for Zach Gallen. So what do you got on him? Uh, apologies as Mr. Ruff. <laughs> Dong, rough dong. Grant, uh, terrible podcasting, but grand game, slam folks. for Darren Ruff to tie the game against the Dodgers five to five. Uh, that was. I saw your face and I looked up and I was like, I was like a second behind you. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that was cool. That was cool. Um, so we got to pivot from that to talk about Zach, Zach Allen. Oh, man. Um, yeah, just really struggling lately. And you see in the um indicators the pitches like uh, the stuff's starting to kind of fade a little bit so zach gallon like he does not have a single pitch over and this is what i look at a lot is i like to look at the arsenal how many pitches do you have over like a certain amount of swinging strikes zach allen doesn't have a single pitch um the last couple months with over a 15 percent swing strike rate and that's that's bad like you want your secondary pitches your average sliders around 15 to 16 percent and um, that that's the best pitch. Your curveball, your fastball are, are lower than that. And Zach Gallon's not getting whiffs with, with really any of his pitches 
as uh, the summer goes on. So that's a concern. And you just look at the general like skills, um, velocities down a half tick, which which isn't a huge deal, but you kind of see just a little bit of everything here. The, the uptick in walks, the lack of whiffs with his secondaries, and really the fastball has just been mediocre. So uh, pretty concerned about Gallon, and, and this is one where I'll admit probably kind of wrong on because I was worried about uh, really not worried about the skills, but worried about the longevity and the health. And yeah, the health has actually kind of been there for Zach Gallon, but the skills of late have not. Yeah, I was worried about the health of Gallon, and then it was weird because, you know, um, I think it was you or someone else was mentioning he had, like, the most innings pitched in the second half last season. Yes, or like that. that was one of my th- – yep, he, yeah. he – yep, exactly. So it kind of made, like, health maybe feel a little better. I still avoided him, thank goodness, but uh, I am surprised about the stuff. Like, if he's healthy, I figured he'd be fine, but uh, it has been interesting, and I'm just going to keep all my comments about this game to myself, except for this poor kid's going to be a bad gift someday. They kept replaying him, and that's going to be a gift. That's all I have to say. So, And I, if anybody has it, send it my way, because I will love that one for all of the Dodgers postseason games. Um, ben Tidd has a question for us. What were your strategies for drafting pitchers in this range, and how have they turned out this far? We kind of hit on that already. We, um, yeah, yeah, I have a lot of Freddie Peralta, if that helps you out at all. and and and. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we, we kind of hit on like, yeah, go in that middle and, and again, any kind of strategy, it's all the players, but like, I, I still would say the, the general like approach of taking those early hitters and then waiting to like that fifth, sixth round is, is the play was the play this year. I just didn't see like that much of a difference between those Manoas, uh, those Montas, and McClanahan, if things broke out, that Trevor Rogers, of course, I was wrong on that one. I uh, didn't see that much of a gap compared to the bats in the early um, in the early round. So that was the plan. And, and shout out Ben, who I did not realize this, but I, I is, is fourth overall right now in the oh, main event. Fourth. Awesome. And Congratulations, I'm actually ben. pulling up. Yeah, like great work, Ben. And I'm actually, so while I'm doing this, I'm pulling up your Why team. Why has Ben asked questions on all of my shows? Then he's we the one in fourth ben overall. Questions. My goodness, Ben. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing about Ben's team is in his main, and I won't go through the whole team, whatever, but just his his pitching staff, Max Freed, who was maybe fourth, fifth round, Charlie Morton, Shane McClanahan. So it sounds like Ben had kind of that same approach. Um, ben just took the right guys, and I took the wrong guys. So shout out, man. Best of luck in the second half like we're definitely rooting yeah. for you i would love to see ben well i love to see any of the friends finish high but uh ben that'd be awesome because uh i will say ben has been a great listener to all my shows for a long time and he's always contributed questions he's a good dude so um go get him man that'd be freaking awesome that'd be great to see Fourth um mike carter the doc has a question for us and he's a white Sox fan so let me preface that real quick um he says what do you make of the white Sox starting pitchers and their outlook for the second half and uh, we kind of hinted at it at the weekend matchups it's been a little rough there in die town so uh what are you thinking when you see them really worried about lance lynn um uh, they did shed dallas keichel addition by subtraction worried very i mean my, and i've talked to mike about uh michael Kopech. Um, very worried about Michael Kopech. Giolito, I'm not as worried about. I think I think the stuff is still there. I think there's time for Giolito to turn things around, and Dylan Cease will be fine. So, like, I think, Mike, you've got a decent top two. I just don't know what Kopech, Lynn, Cueto's going to 
he's kind of has to fall apart at some point. Um, that's going to be tough in, 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 in going down the stretch. And maybe if you get into in that wild card situation, you're throwing cease out there and you're good. But, um, that bottom half of the rotation is, is, is troublesome to say the least for me right now. Yeah. Lance Lynn, especially left-handed hitters are just destroying him right now. And I'm a Lance Lynn fan. I love Lance Lynn. It's, it's brutal right now. It's real. It is. And, and just again, tack on the, the age, the injury, the lower fastball velocity of someone who Lance Lynn really does. He's what he's a guy who relies on his fastball variations of his fastball, uh, but is very fastball heavy. And so when that fastball is going from like 94 down to, um what's he at 92.2 yeah this not, season so far cut that's, it. that's a big difference no doubt about it he had another question for us if you have time what about mckenzie gore and have him in a 12 team redraft not sure what to do with him I actually had someone else ask me this just a non-podcast question today and um because i'm a mckenzie gore fan i got him in a lot of leagues and um since june 11th it's been brutal. 10 8 9 ERA, 7 1 8 FIP, uh, five home runs. He's only got 14 Ks in 20 innings with 18 walks. So a minus 3.6 K to walk. Uh, I know the fastball velocity has been plummeting for McKenzie Gore. So that's a, a, a concern as well. Um, I know they kind of let him rest a little bit going into the break. I'm maybe hoping he's just kind of getting worn out because we got to remember the dude's been injured so much. Like it was amazing he's gotten this far already. Uh, he could just be running out of steam. And that's the shame of it all. So, like I told someone else today, and then we'll obviously see what you have to say, but I said in a 12-teamer, if you got a reasonable option on the waiver wire, I have no problem saying, like, see you later. Because it's also six-man rotation. They're not going two, two steps. So, um, it's tough with Gore. Like, if you if you need him, keep him. But if there's other options, I'd say move on. So, what about you? Yeah, I just, uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, Bubba, just the big thing with Gore, like, is the fragility. So, we don't know. I mean, that, I mean, everyone kind of knows the story with Gore of how up and down he's been, the minors, that sort of thing. So we don't really know how much he's pitched in competitive games. All we can go off is kind of the inning pitch totals. Mackenzie Gore in 2018 only threw 60 innings in A-ball, 80 innings, or sorry, 100 innings in 2019. That's his career high. 2020, who knows? 2021 injured through like 50 innings. And he's already at 73 this season. So it's been a long time since Mackenzie Gore has even pitched 100 competitive innings in a season. And just given the age injury history, like that's and where the skills are trending. Um, I'm sorry to say, but like I'm really worried about Mackenzie Gore just kind of breaking down the second half. San Diego's I, San Diego should play it pretty safe. He's a long term investment. So. Um, someone who we both really like kind of entering the season with the velocity gains, that sort of thing. But um, this could, this could unravel quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. So it's, it sucks, but uh, it was a good run, good run while last. And I'm looking forward to next year already for him. Cause it, yeah. I think he can keep moving on. Um, GA man, eight, Gaman eight asks, is the outlook for angels pitchers rest of the season, except Otani, like Sandoval, Detmers, <laughs> Thor, uh, and above four ERA with little chances for wins, or is there a chance for a solid second half? So basically, do you think most of the pitchers outside of Otani are like above four guys, or do you think there's a guy that you can maybe dig in on and uh, reap the benefits of in the second half? Yeah, um, I, God, I love Patrick Sandoval coming into the season and a three ERA on the surface, but like all his expected stuff is um, above four. He's not getting the ground balls that he used to. I'm, I'm a little worried about Patrick Sandoval. I'm a little worried about Noah Syndergaard's longevity going to the second half. Michael Lorenzen, I'm just just worried 
in general about about everything with Michael Lorenzen. I don't have him on any teams. Like it's uh, rough. The the one I I think you're one perhaps um, shining beacon for the Angels. Relatively shining beacon might be Reed Detmers. I believe we talked about Detmers a couple weeks ago on the pod when um, he kind of had that great outing in AAA and looked good in his first start back the majors started throwing more sliders and that sort of thing so reed detmers is someone you kind of have the pedigree um and and someone who has switched up their pitch mix a little bit uh, 13 strikeouts four walks in his last two starts since being called back up and that was at baltimore and against houston so maybe there's something there with reed detmers uh, but outside of otani it's uh it's looking really bleak i don't know which one's worse to go back to mike's question uh, I don't know which White rotation I'd rather Angels. take the White Sox or the Angels the rest of the way. Yeah, you, you take out Cease, take out Otani, and then have fun, boys. See, yeah. see where it lands. Yeah. Um, Joe G has a question for us. If Robert, Robert, I, I always, is it Robert or Robert? It's Robert, right? Depends if it's May or June yeah. or July. I don't know. It, it, changes. it changes every I think time. It's Robert, the most recent is Robert. I just call him Lou Bob. Lou Bob, if, if he's out, I need to add an outfielder. Stephen Kwan, Olivares, or Jake Myers. So it's funny. Like I took Kwan this weekend, uh, but he's not going to be my pick here. The, this weekend's pick was just a value play, and for like, or not a value play, a volume play. Sorry. Um, and just in in five by five leagues, Kwan, the, the, the ribbies, the steals, the homers are not there. So um, I'm going to go. So there was actually a follow up answer yeah. to this. Anthony uh, who. Um, who knows Kansas City? And I was originally going to go with Myers here just because I'm just not convinced Kansas City believes in Edward Oliveris. If I knew playing time was equal among these three, Oliveris would be my pick 100, 100 yeah. times out of 100. Uh, but Mr. Gialdi chimed in, and he does believe Kansas City. I mean, they're probably going to be sellers. Um, well, they are going to be sellers during the second half. I just don't know how much they're going to sell. Uh, it sounds like Oliveris, some playing time is finally going to open up for, for him in the second half. So Oliveris would be my guy over Jake Myers, who probably has some playing time questions of himself. I know Chas McCormick, the accountant, hit a home run today against the Yankees. So maybe he's factoring into the outfield. You're on Alvarez is back from the IL, that sort of thing. So um, I'll go Oliveris if, um, if Lou Bob is, is down. Yep, I'm with you on Eddie O. I'm a big Eddie O fan, so yep. just give him playing time. It's that simple, and they haven't done it yet, so hopefully they do it now. Um, we'll roll there. And then last question we have here, Brandon W. asks, how much more rope are you giving Muncie in 15 teamers? Oh. He's been unbelievably bad and isn't showing many signs of improving, but so hard to cut an established track record that that, that even though his he seems cooked, he has been horrible. I am. I've stopped. I actually stopped writing about how bad he's been because it's just every week he pops up in the bottom of most <laughs> categories. So, um, yeah, uh, in 12, he's obviously long gone as he should be. Um, what about 15s? Because uh, that's your your neck of the woods. 15s, I, you still got to hold, man. You have to hold. I don't, it's excruciating. Like the results have been absolutely terrible. Um, hitting 136 in April, 164 in May, 197 in June. One, 128 in July. Max Muncie has not hit over 200 in a single month this season. That's brutal. I, the power's there. The contact is there. The this is all Babbitt. I know he's hitting a ton of fly balls, and, and the Babbitt's not going to be league average, but it cannot be what it's been. It's been like a 180 so far this season. And that just, I don't care who you are. That does, I don't care if you're Ryan Schimpf. 
that does not Ryan that does not hold up no matter how many fly balls you hit so oh, man. i am i know it's july it's late july almost and i'm still preaching to hold to max muncie so maybe i'm way off on this but um i i have been trained to just look at the skills trust the skills those quote unquote luck factors will eventually start to even out and i think that's got to be the case with Muncie. Um, Bubba, like you said, in 12 teamers, there are better options on the wire. So I get that. But in 15s in that lineup with the multi-position eligibility, I, it's just too much there for me to, to cut bait. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. It's just a painful, very, very painful oh, situation. Is. Like insanely painful. Um, I'm guessing if you've been rostering Muncie this whole time and starting him, you're probably not high in the standings oh. anyways. Um, yeah. But it's hard to give up on him. I, I, I understand everything you're saying. I, I'd probably cut bait, but it's very difficult. Like you got to have an option that's pretty darn sweet to cut bait for. And that makes it really tricky. Maybe, yeah, I don't even know what to say. You have to look at your team, what stats you need, and try to make some moves in that direction. But uh, it's been brutal. And sadly, he's going to be a great buy low opportunity draft season next year. So uh, I'll, I'll be the sucker. I'll be. It's, it, it's, it's I'll so, be like, I guess it's a blessing and a curse for me because I finally started writing them up in the off season about like, I, I've always been anti, anti Muncie, but then I started mm-hmm. really looking into his numbers. I'm like, okay, he's like, it's consistent as he comes. He's like, it's like 250 something. It's all these jacks every year runs. I was like, it's the same line almost every season. Like we talk about the Goldschmidt and all these guys, it's boring, but awesome. Like every time. And then the injury thing came out. I'm like, okay, I'm out. I'm out. Thank God, because I was starting to buy back in, and uh, here we are. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. But that'll wrap us up on another episode of Bubba and the Boom. Ryan, any final thoughts as we uh, start the second half? About 45% of the season to go. Yep, 45% to go. A lot of time to go. So um, keep grinding away at it. I know that other sport is creeping in. This is the time to make your moves. And I don't know, I guess final thoughts. Final parting shot is just pray for me this weekend. Let's let's yeah. let's let's get this kid potty trained, man. That's hope so. I'm hoping I'm, I'm pulling for you. And a shameless plug as well is um, FPAS signups are available, folks. So go hop on that. That's all I'm gonna yes. say. Yes, we get, will get on that. We'll talk about it more. Probably we'll probably lead with it next week or something. We gotta yeah. we gotta get we gotta. It would be awesome to meet as many listeners as possible out in the yep. desert. Um, in November, but yeah, November 3rd through 6th, we've been talking about it a little bit, but yes, registration is open and it is like 45% off right now through July through the early bird rate. Totally understand it's an investment financially, uh, to get out there hotel and all that stuff. But, um, just ask anybody if they enjoy it. Um, it's, it's a great time. So it would be awesome to meet as many listeners as possible. Most definitely, but uh, we will talk about that more in the future and more fun fantasy baseball action as well. Good luck this weekend, Ryan. Pulling for you, buddy. Um, make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick. This is another episode of Bubba in the Bloom. Catch you guys next week. <laughs>